1: Hello, everybody. Steve Pulley from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome back to the Pleistocene and Piscataway podcast. I am calling it that because this offense has put us all back into the Ice Age. Uh, I am joined. That's a good line. I can't, I can't believe I'm wasting that here. You might see that in print, too. I am joined, as always, by Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Uh, and, fellas, I'm going to start, for the first time ever, this podcast with a spoiler alert because I feel like I know how this story ends. I've seen it before. I've... I've so if you if you don't want to know what's going to happen here over the next uh, few games, this is a good time to turn off the podcast. Uh, but here's what's going to happen: they're go- they're going to finish one eleven, and when we when when we're getting whichever one of you guys talks to Pat Hobbs and you get the, the explanation for for why Chris Ash is coming back in 2019, they're going to reference he's going to reference this 18 to 15 loss to Northwestern. In some way. And it's going to be, hey, look, I know we didn't have a great year, but I mean, look at the Northwestern game. You know, that's what I expected to see from this team. The fight, the fire from the coach, the, you know, the, the 60 minute effort and you know, almost what could have won that game. Uh, you know, it's going to drive fans crazy. But I, I, I really, I really think that's what's going to happen. Sarge, do you agree?
2: I a hundred percent agree. It feels like that type of moment where, you know, and, and to, to a point he's correct. The problem, the problem is you're just going to look back at Kansas and Buffalo and they could have had a season where they went four and eight and, and the fan base wouldn't be like this, but when right. you lose the games, we're going to re litigate this uh, between now and, and and the end of the year, when you lose those games in, in non-competitive fashion, you know, the the talk of being competitive with North- Northwestern rings hollow.
1: Right, exactly. And Cratch, I think the other, the other point of it is just you know the, the first two seasons the way they were the recruiting class the way it is. There's a lot of other things that go into this. Uh, But I mean, do you uh, you know do you th- do you see the same thing? Are you on board with this that the Northwestern game is going to be what's held up as hey look at the effort look where we are look what we did in that game.
0: Yes, I would think unless they have a similar performance in one of these final four games, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. But my thing is, if that's the way it is and everything we have heard or seen or been told indicates that they're not going to make a change at to the top, and if there's nothing in this final month that can change that that decision, why not just come out now yeah. mm-hmm. and, and stop the twisting in the wind and say, Chris Ash is our football coach. Uh, I mean – it, it'd be better off if you're going to use the Northwestern game as you, kind of your, your one of your main talking points. Do it right now when it's fresh, and we got a bye week. And here's the other problem with it, too.
2: Steve is well. Purdue uh, comes up with a performance of the ages oh year three under Jeff Brom, and their performance of the ages results in a you know a thumping of of the, the number two team in the country. Right. You know. Um, you know, Syracuse, you know, nearly beats uh, Clemson this year, but they, they beat him last year. You know, they beat Clemson last, last year. They're in year three under, uh, Dino Babers. And so if you're going to have a, an effort like, and it was a great effort against North, Northwestern, but if you're going to have it, it has to equate into a win too.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, let's, let's dive into this game. And I, I, you know, I, I read the, I read the film review as I do every morning with, with every Monday morning with great excitement. And really the week just goes, perpetually just right downhill from there. Nothing can can top that. Uh and I I mean <laughs> <laughs> analyzing your analysis of the offense, it seemed you seem you thought that Artzakowski played better cratch than he had before. It's still I look at these numbers, eighty one yards on fifteen completions, which is almost hard to do. Uh you know, it's it's still that's why they lost the game. They're just not good enough in the passing game. I mean, what, what did you see when you looked at it, and is there, is there more there than that maybe we missed at first glance?
0: Well, I mean, you know, I looked at it. I counted, and look, drops is a very subjective thing. I counted five drop passes for projected about 45 yards and a touchdown. So And then he had four pa- passes batted at the line, uh, the biggest one being the second-to-last drive. He mm-hmm. probably hits Raheem Blackshear across the middle for a first down, and a pass gets batted. So uh, I think that when you add those kind of numbers in, look, and Art also kind of misfired on a few balls. Uh, there was a ball that hit Bo Melton in the hands early on in the game, but it w- it was an errant pass. It was I wouldn't count that as a drop. Uh, I think it, it would have been a better game. Now, that being said, if they catch all five of those balls – he still is only thrown for like 126 right. yards. So, I mean, it doesn't look great, but I thought it was it was a game where the defense played it good enough to win, and the offense literally just had to make one or two more plays, and they win that game. And it wasn't just the passing game. It was the running game, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second. It was poor clock management at the end of the first half, which you probably could have gotten Justin Davidowitz five or six yards closer, and mm-hmm. that probably might mean – overtime or, or anything else. So I just felt the offense, that's what kind of lost the game on Saturday.
2: Right. Steve, what I thought lost the game really was the third quarter where they had the lead Northwestern gets the ball first and uh, you force a, a turnover to Trevor Morris fumble. Mm-hmm. And then you come out and you, and, and, and uh, you get to field goal, which is good. You, you get to the 15 to seven lead Northwestern comes back um, they just never were able to, to get any separation in, 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 in the third quarter. I think the one drive where we, we kind of questioned, well, wh- where's Pacheco? I get why Black Shear started the, 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 the third quarter as a reward. You know, he came back. He is their best offensive player. But then their second series, they come out, Trace Snead comes out to start and it's a three and out. Mm-hmm. And, th- you know, those were the types of moments where if they can get, a 7 and 8 play drive it keeps the the defense off the field it sets the tempo they establish it i think they really needed to play Pacheco on 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 that series the second series of the of the third quarter
1: and it's interesting with the Pacheco thing is is has been a big topic and we asked Ash about it and his answer was less than satisfactory to all of us uh, and then we you know we discussed it in print and i got an email from a fan who was like look you know Blackshirt came back from his grandmother's funeral you got to you got to give that kid put that kid back on the field. And I understand that to a degree, but I'm, you know, I'm also, this is not, this is not rec league soccer. This is not JV, you know, high school. This is, uh, this is the big business in college football. When you've got a kid who's playing that well, it's going to sound crass and I'm sorry, but you got to, you got to ride him. It doesn't, you know, it's great that Blackshear came back, and it shows he's a team player. And you know, the coaches is made—they is paid to make these decisions and to not have him out there for that series. And then, the, and then the play calling in that series—you know, when you're through, I think one of the one of the series in the third quarter. you know, there was two, two passes and downfield, and clearly, you know, there's, they've been struggling to hit those all year. You know, you, you've got to be able to run the ball in a situation. And, I, you know, I, I, I was a little baffled by, by all of that, Crutch.
2: No. And, and, well, I, I was going to say, you know, and you're right about it, but I thought that the answer from Chris Ash, you know, where, where he said, I don't know, I'm going to have to talk to the, uh, the offensive staff, you know, after the game. He should have been talking to the offensive staff during the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, right. You know, and look, I mean, he's given a lot of power to, to John McNulty. Chris Ash has made, made no secret. He's not an offensive guy. But that being said, you know, the head coach's job is to say what everyone else is in the building, you know, is thinking, what we're thinking up in the press box is, well, where's Pacheco? You know, his job during the game is to to talk about personnel and, and tell John McNulty, this is the way I, I, I want this drive to go. Let's establish a run. Let's, you know, try to, try to have a sustained drive here. And, you know, his
0: answer was was certainly lacking in, in the post game. I think too, like, look, there are probably some reasons, uh, I'm not saying they're great reasons, but they're probably football reasons why they had. They only ran 20 plays in the second half. Northwestern ran 50, and I think that's basically one, the biggest reason why Northwestern won the game. Twelve were passes. You know, Pacheco was raw. Uh, he it was Kamal Seymour w- w- who whiffed uh, on Joe Gasniano, the big defensive end in the first half. But Pacheco doesn't pick up that that guy kind of screaming free. He crushes Sitkowski. I think McNulty has pass protection concerns with Pacheco. Uh, Trey Sneed played really well and kind of unexpected role for him, especially when they run the two minute drill at the end of the first half. They, they consider Black should have be been their best player. As Steve said, you know, he comes back. He's a team guy after being with his family after his, his grandmother's death. I just think it probably was a bunch of little things that added up. And we've seen this before where they kind of have lost Pacheco in the shuffle of a game. Because they're sticking with you know the the guys they trust they feel comfortable with you know Blackshear and, and Hillman obviously Hillman was out on Saturday but that being said I think Chris Ash you're the head coach like you got to say okay wh- what are we doing here like let's get him in the game and even if you have those concerns you, you still can find a way to get him the ball one or two or three more times I think. Right, right, absolutely, and, and
2: that's a great answer, James. And my my question again, it goes back to Chris Ash's: if the pass pro, and I think you're right because you look at that play where Sakasi got got hit, you know, that's a pass pro issue. But why can't Chris Ash say that? Why can't you know? And I I know he's not going to throw a kid under the bus per se, but he can certainly acknowledge. Well, you know, we're trying to come back and they, or we're we're trying to to establish you know some some passing, and we just didn't think that. You know, Pacheco at that point w- was going to to be our best option in, in, you know, in, in passing situations. I mean, he could say stuff like that. Instead, his answer was, you know, what do you think, Steve? What do you think about the, the, posting?
1: No, yeah, I, I, I absolutely, I thought that, uh, well, I mean, again, again, the one thing about Kuzash, he is honest. I mean, there is there is. He, I mean, you know, we've 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 had some problems with honesty in the past with head coaches, and I, I do appreciate the fact that when he comes out and you know says something, he says what well, he he you know he doesn't have an answer for it. Uh, I do, you know, I think that has come back to what Craig said. He's focused on the defense, but you know, he's the head coach. You're absolutely right. He's got he's got to be more aware. Of everything on the field, and the fact that his offense is a major problem, well, that's that's on him. (laughs)
0: Well, three years. I will say three years. Three years of it. Yeah, I will say this. You know, when we taped the video after the game, I kind of mentioned this. You know, look, Chris Ash took over the defense, and you know, I think most people were okay, thought at the least that was an acceptable move for him to make. Clearly, it had an impact on the defense on Saturday. They they played the best game of the season. You know, the the personal foul firing Chris Ash, getting fired up. Now, part of me thought, well. Maybe Chris Ash is just sitting on the bench, you know, drawing up a defense. He's got to talk with the defense. But as I rewatched the game, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like he had his nose in the playbook in, in the grease board whenever right, the offense right. was on the field. He was still kind of monitoring. I go back to uh, when they wasted way too much time on that drive at the end of the first half. The camera caught Chris Ash kind of like, like you know, waving his finger like, let's go, guys. Hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. Run the play. And... First off, they had a timeout there. I still don't know why he, you don't just call timeout there instead of letting 18 seconds run off the clock. But that's neither here nor there. So uh, now, having rewatched the game, I kind of lean back towards it more of a, hey, you're the head coach. because It wasn't like he was only with the defense. He clearly was monitoring the offense in the game. So I think that it now falls back on him more so than I thought it did Saturday.
1: It's not like Andy Reid when you're watching the Chiefs play in the NFL and, like, the defense is on the field and Reid is standing at the bench talking to Mahomes. You're like, there's no, there's no involvement whatsoever in the defense. You're right. He is there coaching. So that's a good point. All right, let's go right to true and false. Let's dive in. Uh, and the first one, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to alter it, though. i keep it. If this team goes 1-11 and with four humiliating blowouts to end the season, Chris Ash gets fired. True or false? False. False. Nothing can happen. Wow. We're good. This is going to be, it's going to be very interesting. All right. True or false. This offense would have been better had former walk-on Tom Flacco not transferred. True or false?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to say false. False. All right. Sarge. I keep on coming back
2: to when when you have a, you know, a kid who's struggling like Sikowsky in moments and we know what Gio Rossigno has done in in, in two years, 12, you know, 12 games. And we know that the coaching staff was trying to, uh, you know, get better at the position that maybe, you know, you, you, you throw in, you know, Flacco because, you know, but again, I I don't think that the coaching staff, you know, had any confidence that, you know, that he was going to be the guy. And if he was, they would have, tried harder to, to keep him from transferring. So I'll say false. Right.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to say false only because he wouldn't have gotten a shot. That's, that's part, yeah. of, part of the reason. And if you're not familiar, he's, he's but, lightened it up in division. But I know. do
2: think that, you know, and I, I actually mentioned this in the recruiting thing that like, I think part of where they're at is because he's recruited poorly at the position and that you don't have a, an Anthony Russo or you don't have a, you know, guys who, who, you know, who got, have gotten way, maybe even a grad transfer guy who, who, you know, they, they, they don't have a whole lot of options to turn to when when your true freshman is struggling the way he is.
1: Anthony Russo leading Temple to a win. Good point.
2: Yeah,
0: I All just right. think I think Flacco but, he's in the perfect type of offense for him at Towson, and you know that they're not going to run that of offense here. So maybe if Jerry Kill was still here, things would be different, or maybe if Drew Maringer was here when Flacco got here, things would be different. But yeah. I just don't think in John McNulty's offense he would have had the same success he's having at Towson.
1: True or false? Clock management continues to be a hot mess for Chris Ash.
0: True. I thought the the end of the first half. Like I didn't realize it in real time, but and that's also on McNulty. I mean, that was just they wasted a lot of time. And I understand that they are always kind of going to these situations at a deficit because they. Call too many timeouts. But even then, like they had one timeout, they could have easily handled that better and still had some more time on the back end to run one more play, get a couple yards, give Davidowitz. I mean, he's a great kicker, but no kick. you know, Adam Vinatieri's not perfect with 47 out.
2: Right, Sarge.
0: Yeah, Chris has, uh, uses his
2: time t- uh, uses his time outs like my daughter uses you know, like when I give her money and like you know and she has to get rid of it right away. Like there's no way she's <laughs> it in a piggy bank. She has to go to the dollar medical. store or the Five Below or whatever okay. and buy something. That's
1: exactly you know, it, right. He, he does not <laughs> want to
2: keep those timeouts.
1: <laughs> it's like we there's a box of donuts in the house right here. Those donuts <laughs> with are not lasting. They're
2: not lasting. They're not you last. know.
1: And I gotta get, we're going to get rid of them. That's exactly it. I, I think part of the problem is that they're never in close games. Like, we don't know how to manage close games because they don't have them ever. You know, it's got to be part of it. It's just like it's an unfamiliar territory for him and the staff to, to deal with. You
0: know, one thing I, I've always kind of wondered is that, and this is going to sound a little bit cr- wacky, but as a culture w- with, like, video games and all these analytics sites, we're much more aware of, like, clock management. I think now than we probably used to be. So I've always yeah. wondered, like, if I went back in time, like, was Vince Lombardi, like, a complete disaster with <laughs> clock management?
2: You know? Never know. Like, you know did, like, did, like, point. Chuck
0: Null have no idea? Like, it's like a John Madden, like, you should have seen the timeout that that <laughs> guy called. You know, like, you know, like. Uh,
1: Paul Brown, this guy cannot manage the clock. I mean, great. <laughs> you
2: know, I have
0: always wondered, like, are we just kind of hypersensitive because, yeah. you know, like, oh, you got to do this and so you call timeout, you spike the ball. I mean, I've just always wondered, like, back in the day when they it just complete loud. It's like, oh, okay, the clock ran out. Like, oh, oops, you know. Who would ever,
2: by the way, who would ever thought that, like, in the same sentence, Crash mentions references Vince Lombardi and Chris Ash? Who would ever <laughs>
1: thought that? Oh, my gosh. That is a very good one. Uh, true or false, the over-under on points in the final four games. If I set the over-under on points for the Rutgers in the final four games at 35, you're taking the under. True or false? True. Sarge? I'll, say, up, I'll say
2: false. Wow, all right. Well, thirty-five been, points, and you, to, right? and you
1: don't have to answer this one, Cratch. True or false? If the over/under on um, points for the final four games was twenty-eight, you're taking the under, Sarge. Twenty-eight points, one touchdown a game.
2: Yeah, Michigan is is going to shut them out. Penn State, <laughs> maybe maybe feel like. Twenty-eight points. <laughs>
1: going I think that'll false, be right too. there.
2: I, I, I'll say, I'll say, false.
1: Yeah. All right. So twenty-one. If you think I are going to score three touchdowns in these final four games, true. What do you think?
2: God. <laughs> true. <laughs> I'll just say true to get over with.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to go to 14. I was going to stop it. I was worried
2: you were going to 14.
1: I would take the under on 21. That's how crazy this is. I, think, I know it sounds ridiculous, I think, I don't they think they they're going to score, score three touchdowns.
2: Michigan's defense 14. is great. Wisconsin is. Penn State.
1: Wisconsin's That's shut right. them out. Every, have have they ever scored against Wisconsin? Yes, be so
0: Yes. They, I think they yeah. scored like 10 points against <laughs> Wisconsin. You know, like... I, like I think they can. I think they'll score about 13 points against Wisconsin. Uh, I think Sarge is right. They'll probably be shut out by Michigan. Seven mean? to ten 18, from Penn 20. State, maybe 20. Yeah, I mean, okay, 28 is probably right on. I think yeah. They only
1: had they only had like 30 plays against Michigan All right, State. I go, I go back
0: year. to fall, false on the 35. I think 28.
1: <laughs> 28, yeah, is right number. All right, uh, true or false? Aaron Young's commitment to Michigan State. Is Rutgers' biggest recruiting hit yet? Aaron Young, brother of Avery Young, it's, true a, big true.
2: it's a big true. because uh, I talked to a, rec- a couple of recruiting analysts today, and and they, they all said they spent uh, like a year thinking that that commitment was pretty. Uh, it was well, not commitment, but they they thought that they were in pretty tight. His his brother is is not only you know, I mean, he's playing, and and, and you know, coaching staff's raving about him. You know, it, that, that's a big one. That's a, that's a big hit.
1: At least it lost to Michigan State. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you went to Akron or
2: <laughs> something. So I guess. Uh, we, well, I mean, but year, you know, he was a guy who, who, you know, they, they keep on raving about him and that he was one of the kids and they got him from Michigan State. So, you know, now more, Antonio season. is returns a favor.
1: Has anybody checked in in Stockholm? Have we We still have Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell me?
2: The, they oh, fenced oh, it okay. in. There, there's a, a giant there's a fence. Sure. All right. There's, there's a fence sure. around it.
1: Isn't the fence around Sweden like the the Baltic Sea? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, the, semantics, yeah. Oh
1: well, Boy, I could look at a map. Someone's going to tweet me. It's, like, oh, it's actually not the Baltic Sea. it's the. All right. Uh, <laughs> true or false? Chris Ash has a problem, and that problem is Purdue. True I, or false?
0: False. I'm, uh, false? Yes. Right. Because Jeff Prom's not going to be there much longer. No, no, I think what Steve is saying is a three
2: year rebuild oh, okay. and I think Purdue inherited a mess and they had no tradition okay. whatsoever and you know, and now they're you know you know, they went to a bowl game last year and now they're beating Ohio State. I, I say true.
1: Yeah, let's and let's talk about this for a minute because it's fascinating and send Rutgers fans and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a minute. Rutgers fans who cannot cannot get enough negativity. <laughs> uh Booster sent me a story, sent all of us a story, about not just what they did against Ohio State, which is amazing, 49-20. I mean, a dominant victory at home against Ohio State. But they've got the fourth best recruiting class in the Big Ten now. Purdue does. They've got four four stars. They're recruiting nationally, which I had no idea. Meanwhile, you know, you know, Rutgers is lucky, you know, holding on to any recruiter possibly can wants to come. Uh, that to me is just amazing, and that, I think that that illustrates again the big the broader problem here, right?
2: Yeah, I think uh what I kind of got at before is like, the, you know, a, a year ago, I remember the refrain was, well, look at Colorado, you know, uh, McIntyre, uh, you know, it took him five years and, you know, they were, th- that's what they were preaching. And, you know, or even you look at, Gre- you know, Graciano's year three, they were five and seven. So you can't, you know, if they go one and 11, it is a, you know, a giant step back, you know, no matter how, how, what way you look at it. And then when you compare it with other programs in their year three, Syracuse, Purdue, programs that you know, not, didn't exactly, you know, in, you know, have any tradition whatsoever. And, you know, I'm sure Dino Babers, he would be telling people, well, we inherited a, a mess just as well. And and Jeff Brom would would probably be saying the same thing that we inherited no talent as well. As well. And now you see what they're in, in, doing in year three. You know, there's not a lot of examples that, that uh, Chris Ash can, can say right now, like he was saying a year ago where he was saying, well, look at Colorado. You know, it took them five years. When you have a year where you regress
0: the way they are, is is a major problem,
1: right? Cratch, I guess you feel the same way.
0: No, I think you're right. Like I was just looking at the sense of that. I don't think Jeff Rahm is going to be at Purdue much longer. I would think that he will be at Louisville pretty quickly. Uh, that's his alma mater, or, or even a bigger job. I mean, honestly, I say, that's a lateral, sort of a lateral move. Yeah, I mean, he'd be going home. I mean, but but even a bigger job. I mean, like USC could open, I would think Auburn, you know, I mean, so. Yeah, that's a lot of money in
1: those buyouts for both those programs, but yes. I, yeah, yep.
0: so, I, but no, I, I think that the way you guys pitched it, my, it, you're, I would say true. I do think that it's a situation where you're three years in and, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's comments after the game, I think kind of ticked off a lot of Rutgers fans and brought on the Eddie Jordan jokes, but <laughs> at the same time, like.
1: Eddie Somewhere Tom Izzo is still like, look. <laughs> Steve Pichel is doing a great job, but they should never have gotten rid of Eddie Jordan. I mean, that guy had it going on, and, right? You can see if you called Tom Izzo tomorrow, he would still be talking about that. That press conference lasted for like a half an hour with Izzo just showering praise on Eddie Jordan. I'll never forget that.
0: But, I, but you know, I was thinking about this. like was, As we said at the top of the podcast, uh, they're going to stick with Chris Ash. Fitzgerald is in his 13th year at Northwestern a school that obviously had a bad football history like Rutgers. He's got the same coordinators. Like, he's built this entrenched culture. He also has that, like, Death Star training facility, you know, that that Rutgers doesn't have. But if Rutgers is going to stick with this and – all indications are they, they are. That's what they've got to generate their hope from is that they can – 13 years? I think, crat I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're, you're advocating 13 years for, for Christmas? Oh, my God. The, no, the 13-year rebuild, the Ruckus pod. I'm no. not going to see
1: no. the end of it. I'm not, I, I, knew, I thought I would live long enough to see how – I'm not going to see the end of it. No. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, no, my point was – got to get to the
1: gym if it's going to be this – it's going to last that long. You, need to, you eat some better. Get some vegetables in the fr- – I'm sorry. Go ahead, I guess Brad. my point
0: was they need, to, they need to hope that people like Pat Fitzgerald are right that he's going to get it done here, that it's going to change. And it's gonna to have to be longer than they expect. And I, I think that that's where Rutgers is right now. They're not making a change. So they've gotta they've gotta hope, as Ash said a couple weeks ago, faith without results. Like they have to hope that guys like Fritzgerald who have seen something like this, although the the circumstances are different Northwestern, that they're right.
1: Right. Faith without results is one thing. Faith without recruits is the other problem. All <laughs> right. So I thought we would do a we would do a mean not really a mean tweet but it's a it's a it's a mean comment from Frank Burns himself at least that's the name of the person Frank Burns and it says Sarge Cratch Politi and Todrick serious junior high reporting you guys are members of the quote unquote newspaper club I'm cringing reading your headlines each week are you all afraid of having your credentials revoked if you give the ad some heat get it together or quit.
2: <laughs> I mean, for Frank Burns to come back from the dead and, and troll me like that after I changed, got his his touchdown record to change right. to, to get changed, that's just—I can't believe
1: it. That was oh. tough, and it goes back. I love it, and this is like I, it's been like a complete reversal. of The fact like we can we cannot be negative enough, and it used to be like I'd walk around, "Oh, Politi, you're too negative." Now it's like the game's ending. And I'm like, ah, they play better. And I'm getting tweets at me saying, you better not give them a moral victory for this game.
2: Well, well, I, I don't know if you're going to share this, but I love the, the anecdote that you gave me when you came back up to the press box the other day after you went through to tailgate and someone, you know, pointed to, to, you know, something that was flying on their yeah. flagpole. This is hysteria,
1: so I'm coming in. I, I'm talking to, you can read the comments online today. This man, the most positive man in the universe. He's a 39 year Rutgers season ticket holder, refuses to give up hope gives me a hamburger. His four generations of Rutgers fans were there. It's, it couldn't be happier. It, it's hard to find happy stories, guys, right now with this with this program. So I'm walking away from this and some guy goes, Polini, Polini. And I turn around and he, he just points up, he just points at the flagpole. And I look up and sure enough, there's a garbage bag on the flagpole. <laughs> and I look back at the guy goes, you know who that's for, right? I'm like, well, I, I'm guessing not me. <laughs> if you're going to point it out to me, you know, you know who that's for. I'm like, okay, well, all right. But this guy's listening now. I'm pretty sure he, he he meant that for for the head coach. And there was even a banner in the stadium. Did you guys see that? There was I like did. at the end held up a fire ash banner at
2: the very beginning. <clears throat> and 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 that's where where I keep on coming back to. I've seen this before. You know, Kyle Flood. If you remember, you know, they he had a you know a, a PSA for for you know you know some sort of charity or whatever. And he got booed. Eddie Jordan, oh, same type of thing that. at the rack. Oh, I mean, it, it, it is going to get uglier Ooh. from the fan base from, from, you know, some alums, you know, some, maybe some former players. Yep. You know, We saw that at Michigan a few years ago with Brady Hoke, you know, it's going to get a lot uglier, especially as, as the scores get uglier.
1: And I, I, do, I do have to put a disclaimer, Cratch, and you know this as well, There there are positive fans. And I'm going to give a shout out to Aaron Patel on the Twitter. That's his name, right? Aaron um, Padilla. So every time that we, you know, this guy, Aaron, if you're listening, he'll never, he'll never, they could lose 65 to nothing and and burn down the south end of the stadium. And Aaron would tweet, look, are you going to blame? They didn't invent fire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't hold them accountable for that. Well, but, but Aaron, they, we had, there's, they took video of them burning down the state. Well, the, the fire thing is not their problem. Okay. Fire's been here long before, <laughs> long before Rutgers burnt down the state. I'm kidding. Of course. Aaron, please don't tweet angry at me. All right. <laughs> what, 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 else, what else do we got? By week. We needed a week off. We needed off.
2: Any predictions? Any any predictions for the bye week? Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna get some chores done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reglaze a window in my, my sunroom. I'm gonna <laughs> take the kids to soccer. What do you got going on? I don't know.
2: That's that's yeah more than you I want, I'll
1: you be, want some college football. That'll be fun.
2: I'll be reading. I'll, I'll be rereading all Cratch's film reviews throughout the year. <laughs> <'Cause>
0: I'm <laughs> Jonesing. <laughs>
1: Gonna miss it. Can you do a film review Cratchit, of the Michigan game or something? Something else. <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: we'll do maybe we'll do a film review of the Wisconsin game. I don't know. Uh, uh,
1: what, what is the team gonna? Do? What can the team do during bye week? What you know, other than recruiting, which obviously has got to be the focus. What's gonna happen here? What is there anything changes they can make? Anything at all that that can happen constructively this week?
0: I think they have to get healthy. I think that's a big thing. Um, who's gonna get healthy? I, well, I mean, Anybody? I think. Uh, I thought about that, too. I mean, Tariq Cole, maybe, you know. Trey Avery, of line. I mean, maybe they get finally get Trey, on, Trey Avery on the field. Uh, getting Jonathan Hillman back, I, I think, would be a big boost just because you're going to need a lot of running backs to get through this this, this stretch coming up here. Uh, I don't know,
1: Getting Hillman back might not be a positive if it means taking carries away from Pacheco, but okay, I'll, 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 buy, I'll buy that.
0: But yeah, no, I mean, it's really not many people to get healthy. They're not going to be able to trade for anybody. That's not how college football works. So, no, I, I just think they've got to get as healthy as they can be, and they've got to head into this this four-game stretch, which is a, a whale of a stretch. And uh, I really just think that they would be smart to get some sort of forward-facing message out now before the, uh, the, the, the beatdowns start rolling because – You know, if you've already made up your mind and you know what your plan of action is going to be for 2019, there's no reason to wait on it because it's only just going to create the angst around the program. And and it's just not going to get, I don't see how it gets better by just waiting until the end to say, okay, this is what we're doing if you've already decided now. Yeah,
2: I I echo that. I mean, Pat Hobbs, you know, has. Long said, well, he doesn't evaluate, you know, coaches or programs until after a season. I think he needs to deviate from that. And because of recruiting from that standpoint, you know, the commitments and they might very well happen anyway. Uh, there's not a whole lot that you can control. But at least if you just, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room, you know, <laughs> and rather have us and, and fans and everyone else speculate about it. You know, people who matter are, 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 are the recruits. I I, I think you know, Pat Hobbs absolutely needs to you know come out up with a statement whatsoever and just you know endorse Chris Ash if that's you know if and and that's what we believe you know is is what's going to happen by by the end of the year. You think do, that's going to happen? I do. I, I so still you, think you think when
1: this week or next week? Are we going to hear something?
2: I. Uh, my, my understanding is he's considering um, speaking before before the end of
0: the year. That's my understanding.
1: Well, this will mean yeah. And, and look, time to I do think
0: it. football drives the bus, obviously. But you got women's soccer head into the Big Ten tournament with a chance to win it. You've got women's field hockey, which is right on the cusp of making the NCAA tournament. You've got basketball starting. You know, two most popular coaches, Good Allen Michael, starting seasons that people are excited about. You know, Vivian Stringer is going to hit a thousand wins in, in mid November if everything goes to plan. Like, you have good things going on here at Rutgers. We all know the strategic plan is coming out at some point. So, yeah, I was going to say, uh, you yeah, know, the, the uh, and not a whole lot of fans is not going to create
2: like sexy headlines, yes. but it's something that they've been working on for a long time, the strategic plan. And by all accounts, it's, it's done, it's ready to go. And, they just can't really announce it because Pat Hobbs knows two things are going to happen. One, you know, if he, if he has a press, con- or if he has press availability over it, he, you know, the second question is going to be, well, what about football? Is Chris Ash going to stay? Because right, any right. reporter worth their salt, you know, would not, you know, waste an availability with Pat Hobbs and not ask that question. And, and two, you know, you, you're talking about a strategic plan and what your your future holds and you know football when when you know if you're headed to one eleven, you know it's hard to, to to talk about the future of your program when when your football program. We've talked about this before. You know all the buildings. You know your your women's soccer, all the other good things that are going on this fall. None of it matters when your football program is one and eleven. At least that's the perception.
1: Absolutely, one and eleven, and and losing the way it did earlier in the season, and, and the way it's going to lose over the next uh, well, none five weeks. Of this, yeah.
0: None of this stuff is easy. But I mean, that's why Pat Hobbs gets paid the big bucks to be the athletic director. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And that, yeah, and it, it's it is to shape the direction. And that's going to be a very interesting. be <laughs> very interesting to hear the explanation because again, uh, fans aren't buying it. And that's going to be. A, and I think he's got to know that and be aware of that. And um, he walks around the parking lot too. You know, he, he's 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 getting the same the same reactions that we got. I mean, all three of us. We're around that parking lot in different corners of it before this game. And yes. there is a lot of anger, a lot of anger. All right, guys, what else you got? Anything else before we sign off?
2: No, I mean, big big week this week. Kind of mentioned it, but, uh, you know, we have, you know, media days for, for wrestling and women's basketball and men's basketball. Women's basketball got a big recruit. You know, seems like, sounds like they, they might be a little bit better this year. And then, uh, you know, men's basketball, they might win uh, eight or nine games. Yet, yeah, Steve Peichel could run for, for president and uh, probably get a lot of votes. <laughs>
1: Chris, Ash must be looking at that guy. God, God, that guy! What is that? What is
2: <laughs> he, uh, he, I mean, he, he's a build, he, I mean, he hugs a lot of babies, and and you know, yeah. you see all these. I, I get so many of these fans that all oh, like, like, you know, we went to a practice
0: and look at him hugging my baby and everything. And it's, I guess that works.
1: He's got the belief without results.
0: <laughs> he does. He's got that. Too. Oh, I mean, the, the the Quaker Steak and Lube in Edison. There's no Chris Ash radio show. This week, it's the Steve Peichel show, and they were telling people, you know, that were there for the call and show last week as they were leaving, like, you guys got, if you're coming, you got to call and reserve a table because, like, they apparently expect, like, standing room only, like, pulling in, like, you know, folding tables, throwing them down in the middle of the floor. I mean, (laughs) it feels like this is like. Pikele revival that's gonna happen. I, yeah, I, I thought it was on, a little man. over
2: the top, like you know, with the Big Ten quarterfinals, and you know that that he actually and, and, and well, he went up and, and cut down the net after that quarterfinal <laughs> game, and, and I thought that might have been a little bit of, a, a, that. overkill, a little a little bit over the top.
1: Easily the best Wednesday <laughs> performance in the history of the Big Ten tournament.
0: Yeah, at I mean, Madison Square Garden.
1: Yeah, never before has a team gotten more credit for getting to the corner vitals of a Big Ten. T- anyway, all right. I don't want to be negative on basketball. Everyone is excited about it. That's good. Uh, lots going on. We will be back. We're we going to be back next week? Or are we going to take the week off?
2: We'll no, be we'll, we to- we'll be yeah. back. There's no weeks off. There's no bye weeks for for, for the uh, okay. still unnamed
1: to uh, put partner, the Pipe, the Scout Away podcast. Okay. All right, guys. And let's sign off here. Steve Plody, James Cratch, Keith Sargent. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.